This podcast is not meant to be informative or educational and has the potential to be completely irrelevant. This is Property Jam. See this edition of Property Jam, where we talk about everything the human side of property. And we're going to be talking about... What are we going to be talking about today, guys? Money! Money, money, money. Please don't sing. Yeah, I'm glad you said that, because <laughs> I had to look at him when he was trying to do it. <laughs> I had to listen to him. <laughs> oh, well, we're going to be talking about the human side of money. Mm. Because people think that money is a reason not to get into property... Mm. And it's something that yeah, the three of us have all had to deal with, raising finance, starting with nothing and then growing it. So mm-hmm. how does that feel like? What's the emotions around that? Um, and to be honest, this is probably a topic which is much wider than just this Agreed. episode. Oh, we could spend a week talking about this. This could be a whole series, couldn't it? Yeah. Oh, it might be the next series. Oh, like it. To discuss. Yeah. TBC. TBC. Mm-hmm. TBD. That sounds like a sexually transmitted disease. TBA. <laughs> Back to money. Anyway, money. We're talking about money. Yes. Okay. Yes. Anyway, money. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're talking about money. <laughs> right, money. Well, well, where where do we start? Well, maybe from where we all started, like you just said, raising it and how that felt in the early days. Like for your first deal where you're raising finance. Do you remember that feeling? Yeah, yeah, it was a bit, well, well, not a bit, it was extremely scary Mm. uh, because I didn't have any of my own money. I had to raise money elsewhere to be able to buy my first deal, to get through that purchase. So, and I was always told that, yeah, you find the deal, the money will come to you, which is fine when you've got the experience. But as a newbie, that's not always the case. (laughs) So trying to find the money was was very, very scary. Mm. But I did it. Yay! Because yeah. you have to. Because you have to. Well, if I didn't, I wouldn't have got the bloody house. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> end of podcast. End of podcast. There it is, kids. Now I bought a house. I bought a house. End of the story. And raised the money. <laughs> was it? So when you raised that money, was that through somebody you didn't know? Or was that somebody that was known to you? I didn't know. Oh, okay. Didn't know. But yeah. we were part of the same training organization, so okay. there was a there was a connection, I guess a bit of credibility. Mm. But it was only but again as well as that it was only a small amount. Did you I mean, even though yeah, I'm sure you had some education behind you at that point, did you feel like you needed to persuade them? Um or would you, do you think it was harder on their side or harder on your side to raise the money for your first deal? Probably on my side, to be honest. Always the way I, yeah. I reckon. Yeah, because yeah, I think they, they would have had a little bit of experience of investing before. Ah. Of putting their money into various projects or whatever. Um, whereas I had no experience in borrowing from investors. Okay. Um, so, yeah. But again, it's having having the right tools in place and the people around you to and help confidence, you. And confidence, right? And confidence. Mm-hmm. Well, I think yeah. that's a really key thing because it comes back to the belief in yourself and the belief in your own ability to to raise finance Hmm. because I think anyone who's listening to this, well, most people who listen to this probably have heard people say that there is an abundance of money. There's enough money out there for everybody. If, you know, if the world's, uh, if the world's money 
was redistributed evenly across the world, everyone would be a millionaire. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. how much money there is out there. And a lot of people have an appetite to invest with people, invest into deals. And I know when we're speaking with investors that you know, investing into an asset that has value that goes up in value over the long term is a bit of a no-brainer for the right person. Mm. So then it comes down to those three key things, uh, working with someone that you like, that you know, and that you trust. And not mm -hmm. necessarily someone you like. Not necessarily, right? Well, I guess you need to at least like the project that they're working on or have confidence in yeah. that element of it, If you even if you don't like them personally. Mm. But I think having a personal connection is a huge benefit. Mm. I think it helps because I think that's where the transaction starts, I would guess. It's like faith in the project, faith in you as an individual. But um, I suppose that's one of the big differences between raising finance on the angel finance side, where it's kind of in out, shake it all about, as opposed to liking someone who you joint venture with. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a different story. That's a little story. bit different because yeah. I think you have to get on in a different way. Mm. Right? What's all this shaking? Shaking? Oh, you got to shake your money about. Money, the, shake the money tree. Oh. Yeah. See, see what I did there. I don't know. In how shake it all about. I don't know where that came from. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just looking at Joe and I. Like she's got two heads on her. Well, actually, can I just say I'm really loving your hat today. Thank you. I wore a hat. Not that anyone. That's of no benefit to the listeners whatsoever. But I just felt like it. Well, for well, their benefit, should... you do look lovely in your oh, hat. Thank yeah, you. we should take a photo. And post it doesn't it. look didn't look very nice on me though. No, we will. We'll, we'll post a photo on the Instagram post of Joe in her hat. Mm -hmm. And we'll also post one of Nile. Possibly not looking so good in my hat. Yeah. The first thing she said was, well, not in that face. He, he had a face on when he put it on. Yeah. It wasn't quite right. Um, I wouldn't invest in a deal if you wore that hat <laughs> and put that face on. <laughs> You're not a hat person. No, I'm not a hat person. No. 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 no so some people look good in hats. Some people should wear hats when they go to investor meetings. Other people should not. And I think that was the lesson we learned here. Yes. Yeah. I shall not be wearing a hat. <laughs> Do you know you what? You definitely should not leave your hat on. <laughs> <laughs> In the great words of Tom Jones. <laughs> okay, money. Uh, right. I'm, okay. Thinking, I'm thinking back to money. I'm thinking back to my first deal. So my first deal was family funded. Well, no, family and friend funded. It wasn't uh, people that I didn't know. And do you know I approached it like a big fat business deal I was I had the full deal proposal for the you know the the stats the market research the whole shaboodle um and even though it was mum and dad I was super nervous because in a weird way I felt a bit more um responsible because it was my mum and dad mm -hmm. so do you get the um they're saying or the people saying to you then well it's okay for you because your mm -hmm. parents had money yeah and which was a joke because um you know that certainly wasn't the case the reason I was doing it was so that I could give them income from the money they invested which was what was missing at their stage of life having both retired mm -hmm. so 16,115 pounds was the amount which felt huge you know that was well, absolutely it is enormous. still a significant amount of money yeah it was 25% deposit of the deal and you know that was massive asking them for that and trying to explain it to them and you know, because it was the first deal, you haven't got the confidence in it because you haven't done it for real yet. You just know the theory, but you've not done it in practice. So it just mm -hmm. felt like this big gamble, but it didn't because you knew everyone else around you was doing it. But it was still, I found it quite nerve wracking because I knew in a way they'd be leaving a lot of the money in the deal, but they were getting 15% return out of me. Mm -hmm. How much? 15, because it was my mum wow, and dad. Oh, you did well, really well. I know, they do. They, they get the equivalent of 70% of the rent and I was getting 
yeah, the rest, the, the 30% difference. Well, I think I'll invest with you. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So that just kind of, that's kind of how we did it. Um, okay. But I would just remember that first time feeling absolutely nervous. Yeah. I think one of my, one of my favorite quotes is whether you think you can or whether you think you can't. You're right. Henry Ford. And it's Henry Ford. Yeah. So it's a l- all to do with your own belief. Yeah. And whether you can raise the money or not. Because like you said earlier, Matt, there is an abundance of money out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just need to go and get it in your bank account, not someone else's. That's right. Yeah. You know, when people come to me and say, oh, I can't find the money, I can't find the finance. And actually when my subconscious tells me that same thing, uh, you just have to keep reminding yourself. And, you know, I would tell people that I work with, you know, just the money's out there. How can it come to you? So how mm-hmm. can you attract that finance? Um, and that way, if you believe that you can attract the money, then you start to think differently and you, you know, different brain patterns fire. And uh, then you come up with solutions that you never thought of. Um, I just remember a deal not that long ago in the last month um, whereby uh, the finance solution was, you know, we, we we're getting fall out of bed the the first solution we had and we need to come up with the second solution very quickly and it was a completely different solution to anything that we considered at all and completely different to the, what we were intending mm-hmm. um but it worked yeah and it worked for the people involved and it worked for us it worked for the banks mm. so uh, it was actually a really great uh way to do it because um, yeah i think also the temptation is when you're not the one that's bringing the money to the deal. You feel like the other person has more power than you. Yeah. Uh, well, then no, maybe initially. You learn that initially, yes. But yeah. it ta- you have to learn that lesson as you go. So, I think you there is a temptation to think that they're the most important person in this deal, and you know the money is the most important thing because the responsibility is attached to it. Mm-hmm. But actually, there's so much more to it, and I don't think you learn that until you're a few months or at least a year into your investments. I th- I, I agree with that, yeah, because it's the you've got to appreciate your own experience and your own abilities mm. in, as part of that investment deal because it's not just about the money it's time as well effort yeah mm-hmm. yeah energy but until you've done it i don't think it would, well it is difficult to believe in yourself until you've physically gone through the process of buying a property yeah mm-hmm. and so there's definitely an element of fake it till you make it or leveraging other people's experience if you're working with a coach or a mentor mm-hmm. then you can leverage them yeah i remember when i first started my, my first deal um was also with my parents and it wasn't just an overnight, yes, invest with me. Mm. It was very much, um, you know, this is what we're doing. You know, I intend to go and do this. You know, do you want to be involved? Mm. And after a bit of touring and throwing, they said yes. So we bought a few properties together. That was a joint venture structure. Right. And so I suppose that was a different way of raising finance. Yeah. And it was, I suppose, was it easier than raising finance from complete strangers? Yes, we don't raise finance from complete strangers because you have to know them and trust them. But uh, I suppose at the end of the day, it made the first one a little bit easier. I think that's a good point. Yeah, because as you can see, there are three of us sat around this table and we've raised finance in slightly different ways or at least the structure of how the deals were set up. Mm -hmm. Um, So there is there are plenty of ways of raising the finance and structuring uh, the deals just to make it work. So Matt, can I just go back to what you were saying about toing and froing with your folks? What was the to and fro? Okay, so when I got into property, I did a course, as a lot of people will do. And I was starting to research 
the areas that I was looking at. So I strategically looked at an area close to where my parents lived so that I could go, because I was living in London, so I could travel up to stay with them and then obviously see them and then go house hunting at the same time. I didn't really want to spend, I didn't want to go into the fact that I was doing it or the fact that I paid for an education or the fact that I was going to invest cash in my first deal and I didn't have any cash to invest. Oh, what, they didn't know that? No, not to start with. Ah. So I started looking and then all of a sudden out of the blue uh, my, my folks said oh we're thinking about investing in property or they said oh, they've been thinking you know, looking into it hmm. and then I kind of came clean and said well actually that's you know that's what we've been looking at we were looking at properties in Wigan <laughs> came clean that's so funny <laughs> it's like I came out the closet I told yeah. them <laughs> how long were you building up exactly <laughs> it was just around the kitchen table uh, which is where most of our the meetings happened when we started around the kitchen table and we, uh, you know, I decided to tell them what what we were doing, and they were yeah supportive. They were interested, and in fact, my dad ran upstairs and went and got this book from the bookshelf, which was uh, Buy to Let Investing, which I think he'd bought in 1997. Fab, up to date, great. Yeah, I know. And Does he still have it? I could do with a read. <laughs> <laughs> Top up of knowledge. Can, can, <laughs> I'm always looking for a next book. <laughs> but I always, but then I always thought, well, where are all these properties that you read about doing? <laughs> oh dear, but. Um, yeah, the yeah, we we started talking about it, and I think a couple of trips later, you know, we said we're going to be doing it. You know, do we want to you know, do it together? Because I, I did say, you know, we're, we're wanting to buy properties, and they were thinking about buying properties. And I said, well, I'm going to go and raise the money because I believe I can do it, mm-hmm. um, or we can do it together. And we came to the conclusion that we should do it together, and we bought. Um, about three, three or four together. Um, some of with their money, somewhere we borrowed a little bit to supplement their money. And that worked really well. And actually, well, I suppose we had the ups and the downs. Working with family has its ups and downs. Mm. Uh, but I think you know, at the end of, you know, coming out the end of it, we're kind of stronger, developed mm-hmm. you know, better relationships. And you've got a decent portfolio with your family. Yes. It's yes. nice. Which, which is an amazing thing to have to, to hand down to future generations. Exactly. And that was before... I started working with this one over here. Well, I suppose it, it, there was a crossover, wasn't there? And I started working with my family and then dad, like my my folks especially, um, pause at the moment, um, but may well do some stuff in the future. Mm-hmm. I don't know. depends whether they have the appetite for it or can be bothered mm-hmm. or they quite like retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, enjoy themselves. That's enjoy kind of themselves. what it's all about, isn't it? So you had, it was quite shared responsibility actually for you, wasn't it, in the early days with the, the raising of the finance yeah, it was. So mm. it was between the team of my folks, uh, myself, um, my mum had um, a friend or two that um, helped us out with some investments. So mm. that was that was really good. And um, yeah, we were shared responsibility. I did most of the work. That's kind of what I was bringing, you know, the knowledge and mm. the, you know, the the sourcing of the properties. Mm-hmm. But we definitely went out. The first two properties that we found was on a Saturday. Um, we offered on them both there and then. And um, within about a week, we had both offers accepted and we were all really happy with it. We'd all run the numbers on it. Well, actually, apart from my dad. Um, he went back to his buy-to-let book, just to double check. My, my dad's a very detailed person. and I, I think he would forgive me to saying, you know, he likes to analyse things mm. um, to the nth degree. So you know, He's an he, engineer, though, isn't he? That's his he nature. He is an engineer, yeah. which, is what you, which is what you want yeah. to stop your building from falling down. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when, there's, when you're in a hot market and there's lots of other people on the, on the table and, you know, we were one of a couple of offers um, on, on the day. So, like, mum and I kind of decided to make an offer and then let him come around to the idea that it was a good idea later. <laughs> He'll get there. He'll get there. Oh, love you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> so I just do it anyway, Dad, I'll come around. <laughs> 
So maybe this isn't an episode Dad listens to. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're, we're, I, don't, I don't think he knows we're doing a podcast. No, I'm sure. Have you not does. told him? Yeah, of course I have. Yeah. He has to sit them <laughs> around the table again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you are my fodder. <laughs> Thanks. You will be referred to. <laughs> yeah. You will remain nameless, Mr. Baker. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, no, it's interesting because I felt, um, for me, it was quite different with, with my folks. Um, I really felt like I was, you know, having to um, to really prove something in a way mm-hmm. um, that this was going to be great for them, which it was. 15%, yep. come on, amazing. Um, and But also, you know, it felt like, wow, God, first one, huge deal. That was better for them as an uh, angel at 15% than it was for JV, yeah. um, for my folks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't tell them. No. <laughs> that started you, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, no, they did really well. Well, so part of my strategy was to, to give them income. And I thought, well, there's no point just giving them, you know, peanuts. So I, I really upped it. Um, <laughs> so they've done very gave well. Gave them walnuts. Yeah, I gave them walnuts. Yeah. <laughs> Hell, they were Brazil nuts that they got. They were really <laughs> good. They did well. <laughs> but it's nice. It was a nice I wasn't feeling. thinking of money when you said that. Sorry. <laughs> oh, dear. But yeah, no, it felt really good when it all went well and they were able to get that, you know, that solid income. And we pulled a cash lump sum out too. It was fab. So yeah, it was brilliant absolutely loved it but um yeah I I felt responsibility but what that allowed me to do going through that process with a family member then gave me the confidence to go on and do that with somebody that I didn't know and that I met in property circles and actually going from 16,115 I think I must have raised about 30k on my first ever deal from friends and family and then on my next deal jumped up to 50k from one private investor Mm -hmm. who was a sophisticated investor and it didn't feel weird because I'd already gone through the process once. Yeah, w- once you've done it, it's like well, we're talking about buying your first property or whatever it might be, raising the finance. When you've done it once, suddenly it's like a little switch goes off in your head. Yeah. And it just you realize then that you can actually do it. That doesn't mean that the next time round you're not going to be nervous or that you're, you might question yourself or you might have to convince yourself again that you can do it. But it's certainly a hell of a lot easier the more often that you raise finance. I remember the first £5,000 I raised outside of working with my parents. Mm. Um, it was an amazing feeling. God, someone believes in me to, mm-hmm. you know, to help me do, the, do this refurb on this property. Um, and it was absolutely you know, an amazing feeling. And then obviously you get used to it, as you were saying. You kind of get, say £5,000 is then not enough money to do deals. And then there, there is a mindset barrier, I think, when you go up in tens of thousands and then hundreds of thousands mm. because you might know and believe that you can raise thirty thousand pounds mm-hmm. with a week's notice or a month's notice um but someone says well you want to go into development and you need to raise half a million do you believe you can go raise half a million and that's a different question because if you've not done it before you've still got to have that same resilience and that same mindset of yeah. yes i believe i can do this i just need to speak to the right people mm. yeah i think um do need to realize as well that you need to get out there and speak to those people. <laughs> You're you not. Just, you can't just sit at home. You can't just sit at home. It's not going to fall Is into your lap. Is going to call me? You're like, I've done my investment proposal. I've been to view the property and I cannot find this money. Well, you're not going to find it in your living room. Well, we are in my living room, so That's maybe, true. maybe we should find the money. <laughs> But it is funny, isn't it? Because when you do move in property circles, you witness all sorts of conversations. So without revealing. Uh, anyone's name um i was privy to a conversation recently where someone hadn't got the valuation that they were looking for and it just so happened that the person next to them had the money they were looking for and uh, it just happened mm-hmm. you know and it was just because they were both investors they're speaking the same language that's where the magic happens exactly yeah you do need to get out there and speak to people and have your 
proposals ready to go. Well, you know about my bus story, don't you? You well, raised we... money on a bus, right? I made, I raised money on a on a London bus. Yeah, so you know, I just sort of sat on the number ninety one. Got chatting to this. 90, I'm, make, I'm making notes. Ninety one. Ninety one bus, down. top floor. Um, Where were you going? Uh, I was going to Waterloo Station. To Waterloo Station, I'll write it down. Waterloo Station, and I was um, sat at the uh, the very front on the top deck. On front the top, of the bus. On the, on the right hand side or the left? I was on the left hand side. Write that down. On the left hand seat at the front. Good. And got chatting to an American lady. I was in a really bad mood. Like, didn't want to talk to her at all. Bad mood. Okay, just talk to me before you go. Not. Yeah. Okay. Done. I was grumpy. And um, she was bouncy and a tourist and way too happy. And yeah, she just asked me what I did for a living at the time I was still working, even though I was doing property. And she just, uh, you know, then there was this awkward silence. And when I asked her what she did, she said, real estate. And I was like, ding, 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 ding. (laughs) Before you knew it, conversations. So you said that you were what your old job was over. Yeah, she said, what do you do for a living? I said, oh, because I'd just come out of work I'd literally just jumped on the bus straight from the office and uh, she said what do you do I said I'll work in a university up the road and then it just went silent Mm -hmm. and then she was like oh and that was it and then I went what do you do then and she went oh I'm in real estate and that was it I was like are you (laughs) that's a lesson in itself just saying just saying I'm a property investor regardless of what it is that you do for your day job if you're still trying to get out there Mm -hmm. if you're trying to raise money make awareness of yourself create your own personal brand yes of I am a property. Sorry, what now? Sorry, I didn't. No, I didn't get that. No, no. I think it started with P. Something to do with property. Would you like to try that again? I put my teeth in now. Yes. So I am a professional property investor. In fact, I'm a piano playing professional property investor. Oh, let's not go down that road. He actually is. Yeah. Yeah. So I think yeah. So it's confidence, isn't it? I think. Yeah, it is, and just the fact that you were quite happy to tell her that you were working in the university, but you weren't confident enough to tell her that you were a property investor whilst you were a property investor. Yeah. So I'm just looking at our notes. We sometimes make notes before these podcasts. I'm okay, looking sure. at our notes. And one of the questions that you've just written for down Just I was the one that wrote the notes, okay. by the way. Yeah. Well, well done. I'm the detailed one. one. Yeah. No. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> so... We've not got <laughs> uh, you wrote down where to look and I think that story has just said well you don't know where yeah. you're going to meet people yeah don't all pile on the number 91 at Waterloo 91 top <laughs> that's, that's, that's front left seats <laughs> <laughs> reserved oh, um, it could be anywhere it so could. yeah, we go to networking events we go to property events we go to business events because yep. actually we want to be the property people in the room we don't want to be one of a hundred property people in the room that are all looking for the same thing um and when you're talking, you know, the other question you've written down here is how to pitch. You know, I thought we were trying to be irrelevant rather than educational. <laughs> but, you know, this isn't. <laughs> I didn't say what we were pitching. <laughs> True. Pitching <actually>. a tent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've done that now. Uh, we're, we're coming to the winter months. Yeah, we are. Uh, but how to pitch is just be yourself. Yeah, be authentic. Totally yeah, yeah. exactly. Give so, clarity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't tell them you're working in a, in a university. They're not yes. going to be worried about that. Well, it's boring, isn't it? It is boring. Okay. Well, but like... actually working in a university could be exciting for oh, some no, people. Oh, no, really not. But it no. might have been a conversation started for someone else. Yeah, I think it's a conversation finish. I always say this. I always joke with people and just say, if you're at a party and you're having a conversation and they go, you say, oh, what do you do for a living? And they say, I'm an accountant. That's it, isn't it? Where'd you go from there? There's nowhere. You know, it's like, oh, how's your spreadsheets? No one, no one cares. But if you say, oh, I'm a professional property investor and actually I make people, you know, high returns on their money, 
they want to know what you're doing. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be urban on us all of a sudden. It's true, isn't it? And an accountant, a lawyer, I mean, it's like, oh, it's, it's good for you. Right, I've got to go and talk to I do apologise to all the accountants and lawyers that are listening. I don't, because I mean, I'm sure you... <laughs> I'm sure you love your job, but really, do you want to talk about it at parties? No. Come on, people. Unless it's an accountant's party. Unless it's like, yeah. Can you imagine anything worse? Oh, my goodness. Well, actually, no, there might be a lot of, you know, potential investors in that have you, room. Well, have you met well, any auditors? Yes. I think that's a step below the accountant. No, wait, wait, wait. No? No, wait. Sorry, or auditors. What about... What about risk assessors? You're just alienating all Sorry. your potential investors say, right now. Um, I, I have at least one investor for anyone who that's, is an auditor and a risk assessor. <laughs> for anyone that's really pissed off with these two, I'm still available and I love you all. <laughs> oh, we love you all. But the point is anybody can work with anybody providing the deal stacks yeah. and there's so, you know, you've got confidence in yourself and they have confidence in exactly. you. Exactly, yes. Because you're not just going to meet someone at a random party and then suddenly be an investor no. with them. No. You're going to have to meet them a few Coffee. times. You're going to have to build a relationship. They have to yeah. understand the deal and the whole process. Yeah. Like, know and trust. Exactly, yes. Mm. And yeah, yeah, I suppose you don't have to like them, as you said at the beginning of the episode, but it really helps. Mm. Mm. If you don't like them, generally you want to get rid of them. We've got rid of investors before because we didn't like them. Same, yes. I must admit it's nice to have people on board that are going to be there for the long term, not just for a six-month period or a 12-month period. Yeah, because it might be that they invest with you initially, then they put their money to other use, often personal use, if they've got a, an investment deal, and they'll come back to you in the future. Exactly. So on the, it does work both ways because they don't have to go then looking for an alternative investment to put the money into. They can just set and forget. Mm-hmm. And leave it with you for the long term. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, dear, my favourite kind of investor. The best type of it, well, the best time to ask for money from an investor is the day you give them their money back. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. So here's your money. And in fact... You know, so sometimes investors don't need to get their money back if they want to roll over and go into a new deal. Mm. But actually, it's quite a good uh, thing to do is to physically put that money in their bank account and then say, we've got another deal. Would you like to go again? Because otherwise, they're going to be hunting around for another deal. They're losing interest. If they, yeah. go, if they can put it straight into a new project yeah. or a new development, um, then yeah, it's, it's good to go. They or can get their returns straight back. between projects and you just want to have their money there, um, to, to go at some point but continue to pay them interest on that I've certainly found myself doing that too um, yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's just it just keeps it there you're just servicing it why have you got the giggles why are you laughing I don't know I just looked at him and he started laughing oh for goodness sake uh, so it's not my fault it's a silly day what else have you got money on your list? makes you funny mm. money. well I think on the list we, we were talking about families and high net worth individuals but I think yeah the, the, the way you approach a high net worth individual is no different to how you'd approach oh, someone else. If you human. put someone with money on a pedestal, I think you're always going to, well, you're not likely to succeed yeah, well, because is, they does, won't respect you. What does someone with money that has money look like? Well, exactly. You can get really unusual looking people who, you know, often eccentric people have yep. huge amounts of money, but they just appear to the average eye a little bit bonkers. Yes. Never prejudge. The never mil- pre-judge. millionaire next door, isn't it? Totally. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. yeah. So no, never assume that someone won't be an investor or that they don't have money. Totally. Um, because they're the most likely person. Never assume that people know what the millionaire next door is. Do you like to explain that one? Oh, good point. <laughs> I don't know. Have you never read the book? 
What? The Millionaire Next Door. I actually haven't read that. Really? Book. No. Yeah, okay. You just let that gloss over. You're like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I totally door. was going, yeah. yeah, yeah. Totally agreeing with you. Just had, but I, maybe in my head I was thinking of like the girl next door. But there's actually, you know, like the saying, the girl next door. But you're actually talking about a legit a legitimate book. Yes. Tell yeah. me about the book. What's it all about? The Millionaire Next Door, perhaps? The Millionaire Next Door. <laughs> so it's basically never assuming that... Um, someone has or doesn't have money right so for example the elderly couple living next door that's driving the 20 year old car and never spends any money yeah could be the people that has millions in the bank account yeah, totally. whereas the person driving the ferrari might have nothing in the bank account and have spent all their money on the ferrari yeah because it's still basic income and expenditure isn't well exactly it? Yeah. yeah yes if you have more money left over at the end of the month and you can put that away then you will be better off yeah mm-hmm. totally. yeah, yeah and, and and it's definitely the people who have the highest liabilities, the highest expenditure, that will struggle the most. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, even if they're high-powered lawyers, accountants, auditors, risk assessors. Um, <laughs> Sorry, risk assessors. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and um, you know, anyone you know, who's in a high-powered job and who earns a lot of money, who has equivalent expenditure, um, are, you know, they say, three months away from bankruptcy. Yeah. Mm. So just being really careful. Um, so as you say, never prejudge because someone who earns less money mm. but has a hell of a lot less expenses can save a lot more. And if they're savvy, can put it somewhere where it earns them a decent return. Yeah. Well, it's kind of something that I, I learned myself, actually, when I moved to London originally. Um, so I'd left a job that was mediocre pay and I survived. I had uh, enough to get me through to the end of every month. And when I moved to London, uh, everything increased. So the, the flat got bigger, the car got nicer, the holidays were nicer, I bought more clothes, etc., etc. And I didn't end up any better off. What happened to the clothes? And did you buy a hat? I did not buy a hat. And I'll <laughs> ignore the other question. <laughs> okay. So I think we're getting to the end of our first preliminary chat about money because so I think this is definitely a wider topic I think we'll probably do a lot more episodes on it and probably interview a few more people Why with not? their different experiences hmm. around money because mm-hmm. um, I think one of the big things we haven't talked about is, is challenges you know when money stuff doesn't go as planned because there's a mm-hmm. whole well we could do a series on that alone yeah, yeah yeah when money goes wrong when money goes wrong be prepared mm-hmm. indeed yeah, so we can come back to that maybe at a later date. So maybe we should wrap it up there. I think that's probably a good idea. So it'd be a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me then. So it'd be a goodbye from me. Bye. Bye. Oh, we did say bye. Come and jam with us on social media where you can hear more and see more. On Facebook, search Property Jam Podcast. Or you can follow us on Instagram at Property Jam Podcast. Or you can email us at propertyjampodcast at outlook.com. See See you on the next next episode. episode.